0: This is Jimmy Dore, uh, one of the giants in podcasting, and you're listening to PF's tape recorder. That's a, tape recorders are things that uh, they're old. They don't we don't use them anymore, but uh, that's why that's why it's charming.
1: Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's the best of PF's tape recorder 2014.
0: Well, it wasn't exactly a decision, it just kind of is a
2: natural progression. Um, From the time my oldest son was an infant, I would put him in his bouncy seat so that I could get, you know, five minutes to shower, Um, and he'd be sitting on the bath mat and I'd be toweling off. And so from the time my kids are little, they've seen me naked, it just happens.
1: This best of will be a look back at our favorite dumb bits of 2014. But wait, before you turn off this episode and move on to the next podcast in your queue, please indulge me for just a moment. I I understand that folks tune into the podcast primarily for the interviews. And uh, if that is the case, I do thank you for that. But uh, I I hope you would stick around and listen to the dumb bits. I didn't do a a best of, of interview clips because I don't think that's very compelling. And I think people want to hear the whole interview. And toward that end, I'm working on the long-promised episode guide. It's going to be a Google Doc accessible by anybody that has the link, and you don't have to have a Google account to access it. And I will put that henceforth on the show notes at pfradio.podbean.com, so every episode that drops from this one forward. Right above where it says Email the Show, there will be a link to the episode guide, and you'll be able to go into Google Docs and see this. You'll click on the link for each month. And then you'll see the four or five episodes that are there. And you can stream them from there. Or if you want to download the individual episodes, click on the individual episode. And the player that pops up uh, in that window will allow you to download it to your favorite device or onto your computer or however you want to do it. Okay, so I will have at least uh, through 2014 up and ready to go by the time this drops on Sunday. What is it? December 28th. In the meantime, we're going to go through and listen to some of our favorite dumb bits, uh, including oh, we have uh, some what kind of nonsense is that? Facebook, not factbook. Uh, Up front there in the teaser, you heard the um, the mommy blogger that was attacked by NewsBusters, a stay-at-home married mommy blogger, by the way. Someone you think NewsBusters would would support? No, they decided to attack her instead. It's probably my favorite bit of the year. I'm just going to run these in chronological order. Uh, I'm not going to talk between them. We're just going to go from February on through to December. And uh, we're gonna do our playout song. Will be uh, by our, uh, I guess, unofficial house band, Andy Hawk and Trainwreck Endings. Although I will come back probably and uh, you know say goodbye. But uh, we'll just start off with our first dumb bit. It's from February, and it's uh, the right wing freaking out over a uh, Coca-Cola commercial. One of America's most iconic brands has betrayed us. Oh,
0: beautiful for skies. Oh, no. Oh,
1: uh, hell no. Coca Cola's America, the beautiful ad is heard during the Super Bowl broadcast this past Sunday. Now, as soon as I heard the first voice start singing in a different language, I thought, dear God, some people aren't going to like this. One of those people, Glenn Beck.
0: This is to divide it's your people. Face. It's an in your face, mm-hmm. and if you don't like it,
3: if you're offended by it, then you're a racist. Yep. If you do like it, well, then you're for immigration.
1: Yeah, if you don't like people speaking a foreign language in America, that doesn't make you a bigot or xenophobic. It just means you love America so much. Now, Fox News' Todd Starnes, yeah, I've never heard of him either, he fired off a few tweets on the subject uh, right after the commercial was broadcast, and here he discusses those with talk show host Tom Sullivan. Couldn't make out, from Todd Starnes, couldn't make out that song they were singing, I Only Speak English. It's true, I really, I had a hard time getting through a high school with the Spanish class. Yeah, I know, but you you made it. Switched Uh, to French. What, no, I had to surrender on taking French? No, I wasn't smelly enough to take French? All right, please continue, fellas. There's another one from Todd Starn. So was Coca-Cola saying America is beautiful because new immigrants don't learn to speak English? All the people I work with from other countries at the various jobs I've had over the past couple years all speak English, and guess what? <laughs> they still speak their native language. Isn't that crazy? Okay, here's uh, here's Todd Starn's big closer. Coca-Cola is the official soft drink of illegals crossing the border. <laughs> okay, now if your sides aren't too sore, he's got a killer tag for that, too.
3: It's a long it's a long hike. You got to have something and, and, refreshing and to
1: drink. You need something cold and uh, and uh, some and, liquids. And the Coca-Cola very refreshing. I mean, because we're really crossing the one border, not the border where it's cold half of the year. No, it's just the one, and and no one's coming and overstaying their visa or anything like that. No, they're all pretty much coming from one place, and I think we know where that is. Okay, so you go to uh, Todd Starnes' Twitter account, and uh, his profile says, uh, Todd is the host of Fox News and Commentary. He is a writer of books, a lover of sweet tea, and an asshole. So uh, it's a very forthcoming uh, Twitter profile. Now, okay, so here's the thing I don't get. They freak out over this.
0: The MSNBC official Twitter account has landed the network in some hot water. Again. Last night, this tweet was sent out. Quote, maybe the right wing will hate it, but everyone else will go aw the adorable new Cheerios ad with biracial family.
1: But this. Coca-Cola is the official soft drink of illegals crossing the border. (laughs) They're all like, you scamp, (laughs) you crazy guy, (laughs) you knock on, you get out of here. So we're not going to freak out over a Cheerios commercial with a biracial couple. Jeez, that's so insulting. Hey, 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 you sing that goddamn song in English, all right? MSNBC should have tweeted, at Coca-Cola, thanks for proving our point. Okay, so, oh, uh, hold on, let me just grab this real quick. Uh, hello? PF, Bill O'Reilly. Oh, uh, how are you? I'm not happy. Uh, you rarely are. Uh, what's bothering you, sir? go coca go, go lad. That's the subject of tonight's talking points. Uh, the people singing in other languages were kind of upsetting to you, was it? Let me see if I can put it another way for you, PF. I emailed you a sound file. Oh, uh, you did? Let me see here. Um, uh, oh yeah, here it is. Now open that up. I'm gonna sing you a little tune. Now you can clean it up in post-production if you like. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I've got this Josh Snead interview. I've got it. I've got fake news. i it. fucking will do it live! Okay, easy big fella. Easy big fella. Uh, here you go. I'll start the tune for you. I'd like to teach the world to sing in English USA. I'd like to buy the world a Coke if they speak the right way. I'd like to build a giant fence around this great country. Then stand and shout, stay the hell out unless you talk like me. If I had a tip jar, it would be stuffed, just like those cups the homeless guys have, only they're ripping you off, according to my friend John Stossel. I must be off. So when we left you last week, uh, fangirl and I, fangirls here, uh, had been stopped uh, at gunpoint by law enforcement and were being detained in the back of squad cars. We got two slightly different stories as to what happened. And what was the story you got?
2: Um, I was told that someone in a white car at the hotel was threatening to kill three people at gunpoint.
1: And I got the slightly different story. Someone from a white car called and was threatening to shoot people. That's what they told me. Okay, so what happened, we're going to back this up a little bit. It's about 2.58 p.m. uh, around 3 o'clock. We arrive at what we believe is a public road that goes to the back fence of uh, the local amusement park. And fangirl is taking pictures. And at about this same time... Uh, This 911 call is received by Mason Police in Ohio and the Butler County Sheriff's Department. They use the same dispatch. Here it is. How you
3: doing? My name is... I'm with uh, uh, Wolf Lodge and Mason. Just want to give you a call. Um, if you could send someone, that'd be great. It's a non-emergency, but what we had is a guest who three witnesses heard say that's how people get shot um, and dropping the F word really loudly multiple times. Uh, we evicted her. We had security and a manager walk her out. She got a car instead of leaving. She's driving around the back of the property right now. She's on the back of the property? Yes, sir. What kind of with you Give me one second, sir. 700 to 150 What type of car is that? And i
0: I'm I couldn't get a make
3: or model on it. Uh, all I know was a white sedan. All right. C- couldn't get a make or model, but it was a white sedan, four door. Okay. License plate number.
0: I'm
3: sorry. Phone number. License plate. Oh. White or silver, four door sedan. Maybe a Taurus. Maybe. I'm sorry, they're so writing you the name. I mean. uh, couldn't get a license plate, I'm sorry. Okay, and your name, sir? My name is. Yeah, What's your last name? Phone number for you there? 513. Threats too. Was it the staff or was it other guests? It was. It was an. It was three guests. Um, I went back to ask any of our pack members if they had heard her say, and they didn't. But they said they heard her drop the F word. I went there to talk to the lady, and I heard her say the F word multiple times, very loudly. So I said, Manly it's it's time for us to go. We need we need to get going." She was actually quite compliant. Um, went up to her room, uh, said some more cuss words, but packed her stuff and left. We were hoping she'd go off property, but she didn't. She went around the back of the building. And she's still back there, right? Yeah, currently, yes, sir. All right, do you want the officers to respond to the uh, front desk or go to back behind them? Um, I I would say I would say the front desk, and we can uh, get a uh, get an update as to where the person is from there. Okay, I'll uh, meet you there. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Bye. Okay, so uh, we were never actually in their parking lot. The the road, the public road. I was. Uh, oh, the were, car
2: wasn't, but I was physically. Yeah,
1: I turned the car around and was facing it back on the road to, to leave as soon as fangirls and taking pictures of the one coaster back there. and they. But they must have seen uh, our car, which is white, a white four-door, on the road and uh, apparently missed the fact that it was a non-emergency. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so here's what happened, and we talked to some uh, law enforcement experts, both a, a city police officer uh, up in the suburbs of Cleveland and a former deputy uh, from a county down in Florida. And uh, the fault apparently lies with a dispatch that did not communicate to the police officers that it was, one, a non-emergency. And what showed up on the police officer's screen we got a printout of the report was, Uh, person in white car threatening to shoot three people that's what showed up on law enforcement screen and that's why i'm told by our law enforcement expert it's called a felony stop and that's why they show up with guns because they assume you have one and uh and that's why we were treated the way we were treated and that's uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time
2: (laughs) The best example of it
1: yes so, and uh, oddly, we were still asked not to come back to the property. And for a long time... We were we, never
2: on the property.
1: Exactly. We thought <laughs> they think fangirl is the girl that was uh, causing the ruckus.
2: Which is a whole new mess of problems.
1: Exactly. And, uh, oh, we later... in the end of the report, it says uh, the, the, the woman they're oh, looking the for... Oh, the best part. Yeah, is that she... My new
2: nationality.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, n- uh, your new race. The, the, new the race. The, the suspect was black, which doesn't have anything to do with anything except for the fact that you would think that uh, that kind of description... <laughs> would separate fangirl who was white it's just a matter and
2: blonde of, yeah we're not na- naturally blonde
1: yeah anyone listens to this podcast knows we're not making any kind of a, a judgment call on race obviously it's just a matter of that's a pretty distinct difference between fangirl and the suspect is all i'm saying <laughs> and the lady that caused the ruckus did actually did in fact leave and the bottom of the police report says they didn't catch her so she got off scot-free and um, we got thrown in the back of a squad car for 20 minutes with handcuffs at gunpoint. And they um,
2: asked me if the handcuffs were comfortable.
1: Didn't ask me. It didn't care. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Why would they be comfortable. I know. You handcuffs. know what? These are nice. Can I get a pair for myself? <laughs> I think I could save these from Where do you get these at? Can you kind of order these from Amazon? It's so true. It is. So. um their store. Now I've read in these uh, in magazines, I think maybe like Esquire or some of these lad magazines, that there's you know ten things every man should do, or and one of them is uh, you should at one uh, one time in life you should get arrested. <laughs> and I'm gonna say now nah, I'm good.
2: Yeah, no. I'm fine.
1: I'm fine, and I would not oh, recommend. I thought
2: it. for sure we were heading to the jail. Oh
1: yeah, totally. Well, we thought we we were convinced that they were mad at us for being back there taking pictures of the roller coaster. Oh yeah, we thought we were in real trouble on what on what we presumed was a public road. And it are, is a
2: public road, isn't
1: it? It used to be. I think when they built the hotel, somehow they assumed. Uh, but I still think. But it still has a traffic sign it is not on clear. it, and it says the end of county maintenance. Yeah, does not say no it's not it's clear me. where the amusement park property starts. It's clear where the hotel parking lot is. It is not clear where this road all of a sudden stops being a road and it's actually a back access road for the hotel. But anyway. Um, yeah, so, so that's that. And my recommendation to you you boys and girls out there is not to get arrested, and especially under uh, uh, false and misleading circumstances. So
2: It is not as glamorous as it sounds.
1: It is not as glamorous as it sounds. All right, <laughs> on to the interview. I the law and the law. I law the law. And the law. Time now for a new segment called Even a Broken Clock is Right Twice a Day. The first subject of this new segment is our favorite conservative website, Newsbusters, who, in fact, uh, don't even come close to the broken clock's batting average uh, of being right twice a day. But they managed to drop a single into left this past week. Uh, Buster Tim Graham came across a blog post on the NPR website Code Switch. Now, I'm a big NPR listener. I have never heard of Code Switch. It's not tied to a show on NPR. It's just buried somewhere on the NPR website. So, uh, Mr. Graham must have a Google alert set for the keywords racism and then like NPR and MSNBC and and so on because he found this obscure, though admittedly silly post and raced to the Newsbusters computers to dispatch his findings in an article titled NPR warns your ice cream truck may be irredeemably racist. That's the Newsbusters post. Okay. So the title of the blog post on the NPR site is called Recall That Ice Cream Truck Song? We Have Unpleasant News For You. Now, I'm not even sure what the ice cream truck song is, but uh, the gentleman who wrote the piece goes on to explain. Uh, The gentleman who wrote it is named Theodore Johnson III. He came across a song called N-Word Loves a Watermelon while researching racial stereotypes, and he almost didn't listen to it, he explained, because the title, you know, pretty much says it all. But I guess his curiosity got the best of him, and he listened to it. And uh, here, I'll play the first few bars here before the vocal starts okay recognize it turkey in the straw right well, Mr. Johnson remembers it was the song Ice Cream Trucks used to play, and immediately his fond childhood memories of getting ice cream were ruined because he's already associating it with this hideously racist song. Now, as a funny aside, uh, Newsbusters Graham knows that Mr. Johnson says unscientifically that not all ice cream trucks play this tune. A- and that's his problem with the piece. Not the shaky logic of the piece, which you know we're about to explore, but the unscientific analysis of the ice cream truck playlists. Again, Newsbusters, people who don't like science using signs to prove a point. Okay, so I'm thinking, wow, Turkey and the Straw must be derived from this hideously racist uh, minstrel song. Nope, Turkey and the Straw was first, and that in turn was based on an old Irish song called The Old Rose Tree. Now, concurrent to Turkey and the Straw, there was another song in the early 1800s to the same tune called Zip Coon, which was uh, almost, but not quite, as uh, hideously racist as N-Word Loves a Watermelon. They're <laughs> like, probably like, hey, how could we top that? We like Zip Coon a lot, but can we make it like even worse? Anyway, uh, Turkey and the Straw uh, won out in, in terms of popular recognition over the years. So, I mean, everybody knows that as Turkey and the Straw. So I was confused. I thought, well, okay, I'm missing something. Most people know that tune as Turkey and the Straw, my daughter's high school marching band. Uh, Wacko's 50 State Song from the cartoon Animaniacs.
0: Indiana, and Columbus is the capital of Ohio. Alabama, south of Helena, Montana, then Denver, Colorado,
1: and Dubois, So just because some knucklehead also put horrendously racist words to the tune doesn't mean that that's the tune. And it's almost comically racist, as in really, that existed at one point? Like, people were really okay with this, playing this song? Uh, but I guess in the early 20th century, uh, people were down with it. So uh, anyway, Mr. Johnson argues that the 20th century ice cream parlors played minstrel songs like Edward Loves a Watermelon, and when ice cream trucks appeared after World War II, the music chosen for the vehicles was based on what was played in the ice cream parlors of the previous generation. Well, maybe, but the song is still Turkey in the Straw, and Mr. Johnson notes here, he addresses that, the first and natural inclination, of course, is to assume that the ice cream truck song is simply playing homage to Turkey in the Straw, but the melody reached the nation only after it was a- appropriated by traveling black-based minstrel shows, There's there's simply no divorcing the song from the dozens of decades it was almost exclusively used for coming up with new ways to ridicule and profit from Black people. Now, the New Republic I discovered while researching this also pointed out this is this is a questionable connection. Yes, that New Republic said that the NPR guy was was, was off the mark. Okay, so, but, but it's still turkey in the straw. It's kind of like saying you can't listen to the Star Spangled Banner without thinking about an alcoholic friend or relative because that song is based on an English drinking song, or Jingle Bells is ruined because all you can think about now is a BO challenge Dark Knight and his ward excreting an egg from his private regions. The larger point here, and Bill Maher addresses on occasion, is that this is something that just makes liberals look foolish, particularly when there's actual racism out there. And we played the montage a few weeks back, the birth certificate, the food stamp president, Ted Nugent calling the president a mongrel, okay? But, but let's not get silly, because that minimizes the actual instances of racism that are still out there and distract us from the real issues, of course, uh, when it comes to race and music. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly? Now, I submit to you that you're going to have to get people like Jay-Z... All right, Kanye West, all of these gangster rappers, to knock it off. Yeah, stop being a successful entrepreneur and marrying your baby mama and staying married to her and buying a basketball team. Well, you know, sometimes the clock is never right. Fangirl is joining us right now. Hello, Fangirl. Heyo. Uh, So the internet and social media were pretty good to us the past couple of weeks. Oh, gosh. Um, Probably more so you than me, so we'll start with mine first. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, So Coldplay has a new track out. It's available at the end of May. I forget what the actual date is, but it's produced by Avicii. And uh, they played it on Radio 1 uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, it sounds exactly like Coldplay being produced by Avicii. And uh, so I tweeted that to Radio One, and well, well this happened. The
0: sky. The sky.
1: The sky. Just give you guys a little uh, taste of this, and uh, isn't it Avicii? He is t-
2: he's exactly right. I did and not even go. know what he meant by that, but it's so true.
1: Okay, so l- I'll let you listen to the last uh, like 20 seconds of this, and then uh, something exciting happens. <laughs> Toppy, summary perfect pop song. It's brilliant. Coldplay, a sky full of stars. It is our track of the day today at Radio 1. Totally love this new track, says P.F. Wilson. Proper good. Just enough of eachy and still sounds brilliantly Coldplay. Huh? Huh? <laughs> there you go. And you know what's cool about that? as he says, says P.F. Wilson. doesn't say P.F. Wilson on Twitter. It's like everyone in Britain should know P.F. Wilson is. He's that bloke in America, does that rubbish podcast, and he, he's told us what he thinks of Avicii and Coldplay. I didn't exactly tweet that, by the way. I said I could totally hear Avicii in the song, and the, but that it, was, it was proper good. So anyway, and yeah, so there that's, you go. So, and, um, oh, I was going to look this up. So uh, six million people in Britain uh, likely heard that. Oh my uh, there you go. That's crazy. Okay, there you what? go. But I still think your, your news is bigger. So you want to explain uh, what happened
2: uh last september i took a picture at the local amusement park which has been mentioned before we just strange things happened to us at the oh yeah amusement yeah park. <laughs> which it wasn't
1: their fault it was their it neighbors was not their, fault. Their, their, uh-huh. their, their their raucous neighbors that uh, got us in trouble
2: i took a picture by a sign outside of a roller coaster that said singles will be paired i had my sister take the picture and it's me oh smiling L- next to it took that
1: yeah oh i thought that's when you went with one of your friends okay nope, no
2: uh, my sister took that picture it was at, it was at I, brockner gamble Davis. i
1: am i am learning something new
2: posted it over a year ago probably and out of nowhere someone discovered it like last saturday i would say it was at maybe 400 around the time i posted it which was pretty cool and then last saturday i log on and it's at a thousand notes Which is huge. Huge on Tumblr. Right. Huge. Okay. Like when you get a thousand notes, is when you're like, okay, I officially have been a successful blog. Everyone else can go home. Like a thousand notes. That's what you aim for. I think by now we have gone to 155,268 to be exact. And then something terrible happened because <laughs> someone—this is the part that gets me—right-click, saved as, and then posted it on what well, I learned. You pronounce it like Imger. Imger, okay. You pronounce it like, and someone yelled at me for pronouncing it Imgur, but I'm not hip I with this. I thought it was Imgur. Yeah, it, it spelled like Imger.
1: I'd never heard of this before, by the way. And teller uh, Hannah's uh, one of Hannah's cousins discovered yeah, this.
2: One of my cousins uh, put the link on my wall. In fact, her comment is on here somewhere that says, "I'm pretty sure that's my little cousin with more points than I've ever obtained." Um, the comments besides that one from my cousin are some of the worst things I've ever heard. I read in my like life. the first
1: five and then I stopped.
2: There are comments that are hidden for being too bad on yeah. here. Um, and I I like to make fun of my big lips, and so does the rest of the internet.
1: I guess. So. <laughs> um,
2: they there was many many comments about my lips, and it's like yes, I'm I'm aware. I yes. I am completely aware that I have big lips, and there's a lo- my favorite comment on here. I would if you weren't a sorry ass Canadian.
1: Oh, oh yeah, I'm not
2: Canadian. I know. There's I, a pair. We should
1: live so long. We're There's Canadian. a sister
2: park <laughs> in both Virginia and Canada and that uh, is exactly like Kings Island and, uh, and the in California,
1: yeah. But we know the Canada's Wonderland has the exact same ride and the exact same sign. So all these hosers got on there and said, "Hey."
2: Yeah, here it is. A dirty, smelly hippie says, "I would if you weren't a Canadian."
1: Wow. Bummer. Well. And of course, we're a little we're salty here. We're huge can of files here. We are big lights, big friend of the show from Toronto. She's like, oh. g- okay, so, uh, so the so the Imgurian, I love how go, scroll back up to the top here on this thing. We'll we'll put the link to this, um, and please don't write anything nasty though. We'll, we'll put the link to this on the Podbean page. Um, it says to my fellow whoever posted
2: Imgurian?
1: Imgurian. sounds like something from Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> Commander Riker, send a message to the Imgurians. So true. Tell them we found this picture of this young girl in an amusement park. <laughs> We need my friend, Big Jim Lugers, to do his uh, John, Jean-Luc Picard impression. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the Imgurians. The Imgurians are a nasty race, it seems. Uh,
2: they are nasty <laughs> the, race. They
1: are. <laughs>
2: they are so gross. See, Counselor Troy said... There's, a, choice, there's uh, this one guy that's like, sure, the cute girl wants to go on a field trip, but none of you guys do. And it's like, you are probably a 40-year-old divorced man. Like, get off of Imgur. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Council of Troy. What are you talking about, the Amurrians?
2: Literally, all I'm picturing is a bunch of middle-aged divorcees scrolling through my picture and commenting things.
1: Well, sir, they'll comment on anything, and they're they're very rude and ill-mannered.
2: <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah.
1: So anyway, that's uh, so so the the, the 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 gist of this, of course, is is fangirl and unwittingly became a meme, and well, which is my
2: mom's worst fear. Is
1: yeah, exactly. It's you you just never know when when you'll become an internet meme, and I guess in this case, it didn't turn out too too badly
2: oh oh there's another one i would if you lost the lipstick that's another one of my favorites hmm hmm
1: i don't know yeah i don't want to don't scroll those anywhere. oh my I god no the... they're so
2: funny please <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we'll let we'll link to that for folks if they want to look and uh and add more reblogs to that on tumblr well, we'll I'll, tr- I'll try to put a link to both the to the imgurians and the tumblr yeah yeah I saw some that of one. these
2: are really sweet i have well, some, well, some marriage them... proposals oh do you really yeah, there's a marriage proposal or two. Huh. Uh,
1: plus one for Ohio. Okay, well, so, one so some, of them, of,
2: one, some of them just want to be friends with me. That's a, that's nice. They're not all nasty. Photo credit: her boyfriend, swag.
1: There you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we'll will We'll post that. Cool. The, the only reason we spent so much time on this as it is because the Dave Cooley interview is <laughs> is uh, is so short. Um, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> See, I'm looking at some of these comments, and, uh, yeah, I don't want to look at them anymore. Just just close the window. Yeah, please close the window, and uh, let's go on to the Dave Coulier interview. (laughs) Time now for, I thought it was funny. This, of course, is a segment where I uh, find something to make fun of, but really don't have uh, enough to build a whole bit around it, just maybe one joke. And, of course, Newsbuster's always a great source for these kinds of things. They ran a picture of a fella standing outside a gun shop, presumably, and he has a sign that says gun sellers are accomplices of crimes, which isn't very well worded, uh, I grant you. But uh, the point of it was there's a fella standing next to him with a very clever sign that says, spoons made me fat, which means, of course, hey, we outlaw guns, we should outlaw spoons, too, right? problem is, is that uh, I think I could get out of the way of a spoon way better than I could get out of the way of a bullet. I'm pretty confident in my spoon-dodging abilities. Okay, I thought it was funny. And I have one more for you. And it's not political, it's an entertainment one. Uh, a Facebook friend posted a link to a blog called Laughing Squid. And on it, the, this gal, her name is Lori Dorn, posted uh, a YouTube video of 70's brother and sister singing duo Donnie Marie. Uh, doing a cover version of Steely Dan's Reeling in the Years. And this is just supposed to be uh, horrible and, and and laughably terrible. Uh, I'll give you a little blast of it right here.
0: Your everlasting summer, you can see it fading fast. So you hold on to something that you think is gonna last. You would not know a diamond if you have Stand. You the you the Have you had
1: and under the video, Ms. Doran writes, in this classic video posted by Dab Evans066, the siblings Donnie and Marie Osmond perform a highly cringe-worthy duet cover of Steely Dan's reeling in the Years which I found odd because the original version I find highly cringeworthy.
0: Are you in the east? Away the time. Are-
1: I thought it was funny. just finished reading uh, that great book I was telling you about last week, Mad World, An Oral History of New Wave Artists and Songs That Define the 1980s by Laurie Majewski and Jonathan Berkstein. Um, we're going to have uh, Jonathan on the show in a couple of weeks. I'm interviewing him next week, but we probably won't get to running it until the uh, week after Bunbury, which is like July 12th, somewhere in there. So look for that in uh, mid to late July, um, and we'll discuss the book with him and uh, some of my concerns, although I had very few problems. With this book, except for two. And they're both the same thing. Um, And I alluded to this in the intro. uh, What do Flock of Seagull's contemporaries have against Mike Score and his band? I don't get it. Uh, Kurt Smith of Tears for Fears. Uh, kind of defending their record. And not really a record you need to defend. Uh, two great albums, a really good album, uh, Grammy Awards, hit singles. Okay. So, um, but he's talking about music of the 80s and, and feels his place to defend it. And he says, uh, the majority of the stuff we listened to sucked. What you take with you is really the good stuff. But there was a ton of crap in the 80s. For every one of us, there was a flock of seagulls. Wait, what? And and uh, Mr. Bergstein, uh, thankfully, gives Mike score a chance to rebut this comment at the bottom of the page here, and, and score just says, well, he's probably jealous, which is mm, kind of accurate, although, here's the thing, if, you know, tears for fears, you know, pound for pound, okay, a better group than a flock of seagulls, but... Flock of Seagulls, really, really underrated group, I think people should know. Everybody knows I ran, and, but for some reason, they get slammed for having a couple of hit singles, and nobody else seems to get that kind of treatment, uh, like, let's say, The Fix, who I also love, by the way, had a great new album out last year. Those guys had five top 40 singles, one top 10 hit in America. Nobody slams them, n- nor should they. Uh, Take group Stray Cats, we all love Stray Cats, Two, uh, three top 10 singles, uh one more top 40 single nobody slams those guys and again everybody loves brian setzer rightly so had a nice career after straight cats doing that big band thing And then you got groups that are revered in this book, like, and and again, rightfully so, Human League, ABC, two great groups from Sheffield that I highly recommend. But you look at uh, Human League and ABC's career in the chart in this country, Human League two number ones, an additional top 10, three other top 40 hits, ABC, two top 10s, and three other top 40 hits. And then you look at Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls had a top 10 hit with Iran. They also got into the top 40 with Space Age, Love Song, and Wishing. You know, not a dissimilar record. I don't think they're deserving of uh, people hammering on them like one Jim Kier of Simple Minds. And uh, Mr. Kerr has this to say, and again, he's defending the 80s uh, as well, and he says... For a long period, the 80s were much maligned. Whenever anyone talked about the 80s, it, it was usually for a crappy pop show. You get a two in the morning. Oh, this is the 80s in the lead Bananarama, who, by the way, also unfairly slammed by Mr. Kerr. Uh, Annabella Lewen earlier in the book, uh, her off of Bow Wow Wow, has some lovely things to say about Bananarama. Uh, it'll be Doctor and the Medics, who had a hit uh, in Britain. Uh, they, I think they were a one-hit wonder. And it'll be a flock of seagulls. What the hell? Did Mike Score do something to piss these people off? I don't get it. So, anyway, I think this is kind of silly because, first of all, we should all be in this together because uh, while I, you know, uh, Mr. Kerr unfairly uh, you know, dumps all over Bananarama and, and even Doctor and the Medics and, and A Flock of Seagulls. You know, I, I think he is right in that we should be defending the 80s, especially the good parts of the 80s because people get confused, first of all, when I say I like 80s music. If they think I like crappy 80s music. They don't realize that I like good 80s music. And then, of course, they don't really realize what good is. But anyway, um, in defense of A Flock of Seagulls uh, and and their uh, track record here, I would say uh, just go to the Wikipedia page and look at their singles. This would be the easiest way to do it. Uh, you can also go to Freegal, which is that Uh, Free site that uh, is connected with your local public library, hopefully. They're in Freegal. You can download all their hits. And, oh, you mean I can download two songs? No, you can download about a dozen really good tracks, okay? That would include uh, It's Not Me Talking, Telecommunication, uh, Space Age Love Song. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) I almost forgot. What does Flock of Seagulls have that the uh, Human League, the Fix, ABC, Simple Minds, uh, and Tears for Fears do not have? A Grammy! Hey, how about that? Yes, they had an instrumental track on their debut album. The song was called DNA, and ESPN used to use it back in the day to uh, run under baseball highlights. It was really cool. And um, I'm not going to play that. I'll let you find that one for yourself. But they won a Grammy for that as Best Instrumental in 1982. So they have a Grammy, and uh, Mr. Kurt Smith and Mr. Jim Kerr do not. All right. So anyway, go to Wikipedia's Flock of Seagulls page and click on the Flock of Seagulls, Flock of Seagulls discography and then go from there. And then I would say go to Freegal and uh, grab yourself some of these tracks. It's fine. Mr. Score will get paid, as will the rest of the band. And I'm going to leave you with um, a fairly underrated tune. I would say most uh, Flock of Seagulls aficionados uh, would say that Space Age Love Song... Or Wishing are their best tracks, and I would I would agree with that as well. It would be hard to pick between those two. I kind of lean toward Wishing, but I'm going to play you another one of my favorite tracks of theirs. It was a single from the album Listen, which is the album that Wishing comes off of. Got to 38 in the U.K., it got to 22 in Ireland, got to 43 in New Zealand. How this was not a bigger hit, I have no idea. The song is called Transfer Affection, and uh, we'll play out on that as we head toward the big interview. It's time for another installment of "I thought it was funny." This is the feature where I come across something silly, and even though it's hilarious, I really only have one joke for it, and uh, I can't make it into a larger bit or anything. So come with me now to the Facebook page of Ben Swan. Now, Ben Swan, I don't know if you know. You might have heard of him around the country. He's from uh, here in Cincinnati. Well, not from here. He used to work here. He was a local news anchor, and he left that gig to uh, start the uh, some. Other website thing. Uh, Truth and Media is, is, is his deal. And uh, he's one of these libertarian dudes, kind of like Stossel, but more political, I guess, or Stossel's more social, economic. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, and Swan's not crazy, but some of the people that work for him I kind of question. So, here's the big headline from uh, one of his contributors, Barry Donigan Unprecedented German General Appointed Chief of Staff of U.S. Army Europe. Okay, well, it's sort of unprecedented. Um, This German general uh, named Marcus Lobenthal, is I guess he's going to be in command of U.S. forces, but in Germany. So, I mean, we're in their country, and he'll be commanding these forces. And uh, unprecedented, well, I guess it's unprecedented for that position, but not unprecedented for the U.S. military, because you see, (laughs) guess what I did. That's right, I looked it up. And uh, our founding father, the great General George Washington, didn't have a problem with this. He was born Gilbert de Montier de Lafayette, a direct descendant of bold French knights who fought in the Crusades and alongside Joan of Arc. During the American Revolution, he became one of George Washington's most trusted commanders. In charge of American forces. Okay, so we'll look on the bright side, Mr. Donegan. Uh, they could have appointed a Frenchman. Hey, I thought it was funny. Time for another installment of...
2: It's Facebook, not Factbook.
1: Came across a strange one this week. A uh, high school classmate of mine posted a picture uh, which he shared from somebody else, and it is a picture of a woman named Alex Israel. She is a, a friend of Adam Lanza, who was the uh, shooter in the Newtown uh, situation there back a couple of years ago. And then below that is a picture of Katie Foley, who is a sister of the journalist who was killed a couple of weeks ago in Iraq. And he, the pictures are on one on top of the other. And it's supposed to uh, suggest to you that these are actually the same person, because what these are, these are called crisis actors. And I had never heard this term before until I saw this photo. Yes, uh, crisis actors. Well, the the picture... That this woman originally shared, and then my classmate uh, reshared, says the majority of the big news stories you see on TV are all faked. They use crisis actors. Below is a recent example, and then there's the picture. So um, if you look at this photo, and then you go to YouTube and you look at you know the the two women talking, yeah, they look a lot alike, but they are not the same person. However, uh, a lot of people really buy into this, uh, like this guy, for example.
0: This is Miss Israel from Sandy Hook. Remember? I was actually uh, not around for those videos. I, I hadn't been yes. started on all this stuff yet. Um, but I want you to pay very close attention to her facial features.
1: Okay, dude goes on and on about this and tries to convince you that it's the same woman, and uh, it, it's it's not. Okay, that's enough, dude. Now, I did find one guy uh, who believes that the Newtown-Connecticut shootings were staged and everyone involved uh, was an actor, but he doesn't believe these two women are the same person because, you know, he's not crazy. Now, I get why people buy into this, because there's a kernel of believability to this, because something similar to this has happened before.
0: Jason Blair had been a rising star during a nearly four-year career at the New York Times, but in the spring of 2003, it became clear he had plagiarized or outright fabricated dozens of stories he'd allegedly written for the paper. He'd lifted passages from other people's work. He pretended to visit cities he never traveled to, and wrote about information from confidential sources that did not exist.
1: And then there was the lady from the Washington Post who made up a whole story about an eight-year-old heroin addict. But these two journalists were acting on their own and not as some operatives of the new world order. The crisis actor thing, of course, is part of a larger conspiracy, you see. One that also has a kernel of believability because of, well, things like this. The American military were also experimenting with LSD as a potential weapon.
0: Here is a group of normal soldiers responding correctly to a series of routine drill commands. After receiving a small dose of LSD, they're confused and undisciplined.
1: Wait, the U.S. military tested LSD on its own soldiers? Yeah. And then there's also this.
3: And what most Chileans did not know in 1973, and what many Americans still do not know, was that the coup of September 11th, 1973, was the work of intelligence operatives, American intelligence operatives, and they took their orders directly from the White House.
1: That was Colorado School of Mining professor Kenneth Osgood on C-SPAN's American History TV discussing the 1973 military coup in Chile. And, of course, then there's this. With respect to 9-11, of course, you've had the um, uh, story that's been public
3: after the Czechs uh, alleged that uh, Mohammed Atta, the lead attacker, met uh, in Prague with a senior Iraqi intelligence official five months before the attack
1: former vice president dick cheney lying about al-qaeda's connection to the 9-11 attacks so uh, yes nefarious things go on governments uh, at the behest of large corporations and other power brokers do make stuff Up and you know are up to you know some pretty sneaky things at times, but these things make sense. They made this stuff up about Iraq because they wanted the oil. That makes sense. Uh, You know why they would the 9/11 conspiracy. Let me address that for a second. I don't buy into that one because as evil as Bush and Cheney are, uh, first of all, I don't think they had the competence to pull something like that off and make it stick. One and two, why would they bother going into Afghanistan, a country with absolutely no monetary value whatsoever? and a place where the second most powerful superpower on Earth was stuck in a quagmire for years and years. Why why wouldn't they just pin 9-11 on Iraq to begin with, which is the war they wanted even before the towers were hit? They came into office, I believe, in my opinion, really wanting to go to war with Iraq, maybe Iran, maybe both, who knows? But they definitely did not want Afghanistan, so... Anyway, getting back to the uh, the uh, crisis actor situation is, uh, the conspiracy, like I said, has to make sense. These mass shootings are staged, you see, because President Obama wants to take your guns away. And so far, that's working great, like in Colorado.
0: Two Democratic state senators are now facing recall votes a week from today, after each played a big role in passing tough new gun control
1: laws in Colorado, and that apparently has and it's working in Arizona, too, where Governor Jan Brewer signed legislation involving gun buyback programs run by police. A friend of a friend of the show, Sank Yuger from Young Turks, fills us in.
0: Telling those local cities and
1: counties, once you buy the guns back, you cannot destroy them. You must resell them. Also working in Missouri.
3: A South County Republican proposing a bill that would make it illegal for anyone to even introduce legislation that restricts gun ownership.
1: Now, that last clip is kind of old. They have since introduced legislation in Missouri that will prevent lawmakers from even thinking about introducing gun control laws. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, people believe that Alex Israel and Katie Foley are the same person, even though they clearly are not. But I have a confession to make. Um... The tape recorder has used crisis actors in the past. You want proof? Episode one sixty one. We interviewed Midjor of Ultravox. Uh, not really. Uh, it was it was slightly different for me. I started. Uh, I suppose my my musical life started uh, uh, with a band called Slick, which were a kind of Bay City Rollers type band. Oh, we you know, we, we, uh, you know we, we made music that was written by uh, the same guys who wrote the Bay City Rollers stuff and. And on episode 147, I interviewed my friend Brian about his favorite band, The Alarm. Yeah, you know,
2: the early part of their career, they had uh, they had a, a few hits when they were when they were one of those bands that had a cool up and coming vibe about them. The the stand kind of got a lot of interest and a lot of radio play. wasn't really a big hit, but then uh, they they released six to 8 Guns to promote Declaration, and that was that was a pretty big
1: hit. And then it's the same guy. Actually, they do look a lot alike. I posted a side-by-side picture in the comments section of that original post from my classmate and said, uh, you know, if Alec Israel and Katie Foley are the same person, then my friend Brian and Majure are the same person. And I even showed this picture to my wife and she actually said to me, which one is Brian? She honestly couldn't tell. And I'll post that picture on the PST Recorder Facebook page for you all to see. Uh, my friend Brian and Majure uh, side-by-side comparison and you can see if you can figure out which one is actually ultra Boxes mid So, anyway, I think it's, it's just so silly to me that people invest all this time into promoting all of this nonsense but then take no time to fact-check anything or concentrate on stuff that's actually going on. Because remember, folks,
2: it's Facebook, not Factbook.
1: Newsbusters and their parent organization, the Media Research Center, and I'm using those annoying little air quotes when I say research. Uh, Anyway, they are diligently fighting an effort to boycott those who advertise on the Rush Limbaugh show. But don't worry, they still have time to attack a stay-at-home mom, which is the subject of this installment of...
0: What kind of nonsense is that?
1: Rita Templeton is a mommy blogger. She has her own website slash blog called Fighting the Frumpy. A few weeks ago, she wrote a post called The Naked Truth bit of an overused title, uh, if I do say so myself, Uh, but it seems like every story about nudity seems to use that title, you know, the naked truth about celebrities, the naked truth about blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, her basic thesis was, and it was a good one, as the mother of four boys, ages two to nine, she decided that if her sons accidentally saw her naked, getting out of the shower or whatever, seeing her get into her pajamas, whatever the case may be, she wouldn't freak out and might even view the situation as a positive. Now the Huffington Post runs her stuff too, so like me, she's not making money from several places on the internet. They, of course, uh, picked up on this, uh, but they decided to change the title to Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked, which is a completely different idea than the one she put forth in the original post. Now, if you've ever lived in a house with other family members, you know people walking on each other in various stages of nakedness. uh, Totally by accident, it just happens. Miss Templeton decided such situations were no big deal. She didn't, as the HuffPo version of the title implies, sit her sons down one day and say, Okay, boys, gather around. Mommy wants to show you something. No. She was talking about accidental nudity. If they happened to see her that way by accident, she would make a big deal out of it and make them feel like they did something horrible. She also reasoned that if they did happen to see her incidentally naked, that it would be, in the long run, maybe a good thing because it would instill a realistic expectation of what the female body looks like. Boring, but, you know, in a good way, a healthy way. It's, it's a good thought. Okay. This, of course, is where Newsbusters and the Media Research Center show up. Now, Newsbusters uh, and the Media Research Center, the Media Research Center, owns Newsbusters, they're not the brightest bulbs on the internet, and uh, being the narrow-minded, busybodies that they are, it's no surprise a headline like, Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked, is going to give them an embolism. So the Media Research Center writes a rather lengthy piece decrying her as the worst mom of 2014, and of course their sister site, Newsbusters, links to it. But in case the HuffPose reworking of the title wasn't inaccurate enough, they titled their critique, Mommy blogger wants to be first nude body, young son's see, And this is the first thing I saw on this, and when I saw it, worded like that by newsbusters, I knew there was something fishy going on. Now, the Huffington Post also had Ms. Templeton as a guest on their HuffPo Live streaming channel to discuss the piece. And understand that HuffPo bears some responsibility here because they clearly tried to position this as something titillating when it most certainly was not. The MRC, in their piece, even embed the video... Uh, in their critique, though they totally managed to draw one wrong conclusion after another. Host Ricky Camillari, for his part, tries his best to make this sound way more exciting than it really is.
0: Politics to parenting. HuffPost blogs run the gamut. And every day at HuffPost Live, we like to shine a spotlight on some of the hottest blogs on our site.
1: Mmm, hottest blogs. Go on, Ricky.
0: Now, while mainstream thinking suggests that we cover up and maintain some modesty in front of our kids, it's...
1: Spoiler alert! So does the person you're about to interview.
0: One Iowa mom has made the choice not to be bashful around her young sons, both out of convenience and principle. In her blog, Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked...
1: Which is not the title of her blog. Her blog is Fighting the Frumpy. That's not even the title of the original post. All right. Now, I'm very pro-nudity, but I'm also very pro-modesty. Now, if it's hot out and there's no one else home and I want a way to put on the air conditioning because, you know, I'm also cheap above all other things. Well, you know, okay, sorry, I know, TMIPF. But I'm also the kind of guy who, when I go to the beach or a swimming pool, I'll wear a t-shirt even in the water, okay? So when she says this,
2: I'm not naked more than the average person.
1: (laughs) I'm completely bummed out. Now, she even goes as far to say that she does teach modesty, like when it comes to using the bathroom.
2: You poop with the door closed and you close the door and you shower and stuff like that.
1: But she also realizes that it's hard to control four young boys.
2: As much as I teach them about knocking and about modesty, they barge in. Kids do that.
1: True dat. But the best part of all this is toward the bottom of the Media Research Center piece where they highlight some of the points she makes in the HuffPo live interview, but does so in the weirdest way. They call out where she says she wants to teach her children not to be ashamed of their bodies, but instead of using the whole quote, they just put the word ashamed in quotes as if to indicate that that's crazy talk. You should be ashamed of your body. And if you're not ashamed of your body, you'll make Jesus cry. They also point out that she says her partner understands all this and highlights just the word partner in quotes because to the media research center, that's code for something evil. What's funny is she's not the one that brings up the word partner, host Ricky Calamari does.
0: What, what's, your, what's your partner's uh, nudity policy?
1: So she just goes along with the word partner. In fact, she didn't even say the word partner. She just says he understands we've sat down and talked about it and so on. Now, remember, the R in Media Research Center stands for research. So you think they would do some and find out who this partner, quote unquote, is. My guess is either they did, and they didn't like the answer because it undermines their whole BS premise, or they were just that lazy and incompetent. Either scenario is likely. It took me less than a minute to find out who her partner is. Her partner is... Her husband! And it doesn't say how long they've been married, but they've been together since she was 17. Aw, sorry, Media Research Center, it's not a same-sex partner or some dude she's shacked up with and Living in Sin, but maybe next time, huh? Isn't this the kind of thing Newsbusters and the MRC should celebrate? She's married to a man, she's had four kids with him, she chose life, she didn't not have them, she's a stay-at-home mom, her pretty little head isn't filled with notions of having a career outside the home and trying to do things that are best left of the menfolk. The Media Research Center and Newsbusters should have attacked HuffPo for trying to be click and using an innocent post about a common household occurrence to drum up page views. But instead, they try to take the moral high ground with a perfectly lovely woman who, from reading her blog, appears to be a fine mom. So let's review. Newsbusters and the Media Research Center are vigorously coming to the defense of Rush Limbaugh, a very wealthy, very powerful, white male who is a noted misogynist, race baiter, homophobe, probable sex tourist, general bigot, and overall awful human being. And they instead are attacking a stay-at-home mom who has been married to a guy she's been with since she was 17 with whom she has four boys. She did not have four boys. She chose life. Who lives in Iowa, the heart of the heartland. And they're attacking her because she decided not to freak out if her sons happen to accidentally see her naked. Okay, so we do not have a candidate for worst mother of 2014. No. What we do have, though, is a solid nomination for the most ridiculous thing ever posted by Newsbusters and the Media Research Center. And something that should make anyone reading it say,
3: What kind of nonsense is that?
1: Hey, we ran way over, so I'm just gonna say go to pfradio.podbean.com. You can find the episode guide there. I finished it while I was editing this together. Like I was kind of multitasking. We're gonna play out with Annie Hawk and the train wreck endings chasing the sun so long, and thanks for listening.